to Fancy Town Crimes Podcast, a podcast about crimes in fancy towns told by middle-class broads. All right, well, hello, everybody. Hey, guys. This is Megan. And this is Taylor. And it's Fancy Town Crimes. Ooh, ooh. And That's it like is- my new intro. <laughs> It is, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> this is the second time we've tried to record because we've been doing this for over a year and I yes. hit the wrong button. <laughs> Technology, man. You would think that I'd be good at this because I use it every day for my job, but um, I'm it not. No. I'm, I'm cursed. I feel like no teacher is good at technology unless you teach technology. Well, I think the thing is too, like you're doing 3 million other things. So like who has time to keep, keep up with the whole technology piece? It's oh. literally a button, but you know. All right. Well, that's true. But I wanted to tell you, so I was just watching on TikTok. There's this guy that I follow on TikTok um, who's incredible and everyone should, everyone should follow him. And I don't know his name, so I should look it up. But Follow him, but I don't know his name. I don't know his name. I'll, I'll try and find it and I can link it. But um, he's incredible. And so he's been giving these millennial updates every week. And it's like, it's like he's at a, it's really funny. It's like he's standing in like a staff meeting and he's like, all right, millennial update of the week. And like, he just tells you all the stuff that's going on this week and like what you should be aware of. So you as a teacher should be aware of this. It's a new, it's a new slang word from Gen Z. Oh no. So it's, uh, uh, chuggy is the word. And so something, so chuggy is like a type of person or a thing. So what the fuck so he yes so he described it as so something is so something that might be chuggy is um a disney adult someone who's like super super into disney and they're an adult um like hashtag boss babes uh psls um what else uh ugg boots so basically like like a basic b plus disney is is chuggy and like you could say like someone is a chug. I believe this is the pronunciation. <laughs> How did they come up with that word? Like it's not even a combination of I have no idea. I haven't uh I haven't looked into it yet. Um I still don't know I... what a fucking visco girl is and I was trying to ask 2 years ago and I still don't have an answer so like definitely haven't heard of this word. No cap. Haven't heard of this word. No. <laughs> <laughs> i just learned that one the other day <laughs> look at you you're so with the times am i you are. or am i a chuggy you're i don't think I, you actually qualify as a chuggy i don't think either one of us is a chuggy god i haven't worn ugg boots since like like oh, middle 2009, school 2009 2010 yeah so like oh, middle no, school, I de- high school i definitely wore in high school for sure definitely did but yeah i had like fake uggs in I guess I did in high school too, like in middle school, high school, but like middle school is like the ingrained in my ma- my mind as like, that was like UGG century. Yeah. And do you remember they used to advertise that you didn't have to wear socks with them? Yes. And then they got so stanky. Well, of course they did. Cause that's because why you wear socks. Exactly. Everything gets stinky. If you don't wear socks, what are you thinking? Yeah, no, I definitely... I killed my Ugg boots, number one. And also for Christmas, one year I got knit Ugg boots because that's how far this went. Oh, I remember those. They were gray, right? They, yeah, they were like this like greenish, like they were like a sage color. But yeah. Well, sage is super in right now. So you would just, uh, you would be totally all the rage. Sage is going to be my new countertop color too. Ooh, look at you. Is, are you moving forward with your uh, with your uh, kitchen reno? No, it's the bathroom. And it's because I'm getting hand-me-down stuff from people who were like, oh, I'm renovating my bathroom and this is fairly new. And I was like, great, if it's free, it's for me. <laughs> <laughs> that is honestly the best, uh, the best saying of life. You know what else is a good saying of life? What's that? Dude, this is going to be the best segue I ever did. Oh, les les bon temps rouler. Oh, what is that? Because mean? we're going to Baton Rouge. Let the good times roll. Oh, yeah, girl. Right? Let the good yeah. times roll. <laughs> Love it. Yes, get it, get it. All right. Shall I dive in? 
Please do, my friend. All right. So Baton Rouge is the capital city of the U.S. state of Louisiana um, on the eastern bank of the Mississippi River. Since 2019, the city of Baton Rouge has been the 100th most populous city in the U.S. and second largest city in Louisiana after New Orleans. Mm. It is also, yeah, it is also the 16th most populous state. Uh, lines are hard. 16th most populous <laughs> state capital. As of the U.S. Uh, Census Bureau of 2019, Baton Rouge had a population of 220,000 down from 229,000 in 2010. The city of Baton Rouge is the center of the Great Baton Rouge area, the second largest metropolitan area in Louisiana, with a population of 834,000 as of 2017. You are just spitting facts. I am. I'm a facts spitter. That is my, that is me. That is who I am, who I be. (laughs) Guys, I'm so tired. All right. I feel like I say that like every episode. So, well, you do have uh, a baby. Yeah, that, that is true. So here comes a, a French name that I am unprepared for. So French explorer Pierre Le Moni d'Ilberville. Not sure. <laughs> oh my God. Pierre. It's a really, really very long name, but let's just call him Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> Led an exploration party up the Mississippi River in 1698. The explorer explorer saw a red pole marking the boundary between uh, the Homa and Biagola tribe. I apologize if I totally just messed that up. I tried to look it up and didn't do a very good job. Uh, Tribal hunting grounds. The French name, Le Baton Rouge, the red stick, is the translation of a native term uh, rendered as Estroma. I didn't know it was literally named the red stick after a red stick. I knew it was called red stick. How literal, I didn't know it was after a red stick, though. Isn't that, that I feel like that's the most, I feel like it's the most literal translation I've heard of so far. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, so. Do, 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 do. So the location of the Red Pole was presumably at Scott's Bluff on what is now the campus of Southern University. It was reportedly 30 feet high, painted pole adorned with fish bones. So you couldn't miss it. Um, beep, bop, boop. The settlement of Baton Rouge by the Europeans began in 1721 when French uh, colonists established a military and trading post. Since European settlement Baton Rouge had been governed by France, Britain, Spain, Louisiana, the Republic of West Florida, the United States, uh, the Confederate States, and the United States again. Or Baton Rouge. Right? They've gone through it. So in 1755, when French-speaking settlers of um, Acadia in Canada's maritime provinces were expelled by British forces, many took up residence in rural Louisiana. Popularity... uh, known as Cajuns, the descendants of Acadians maintained a separate culture. No so that's, way! I know, isn't that really interesting? So during the first half of the 19th century, Baton Rouge grew steadily as the results of steamboat trade and transportation. So, um... I already gave you the census info, so now let's go into some prices. So oh, no, we didn't. Oh, we don't have the rock. There's no rock. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I didn't have a breakdown of the racial makeup of some of the them location. Don't, some of them don't have it, and let's be real. If it's not on Wiki, we don't know it. If it's not on Wiki, <laughs> we don't want it. Um. So beep, bop, boop. So. There, so East and East, excuse me, East Baton Rouge is one of the um, the most wealthy areas of Baton Rouge, and the median household income there is one hundred and thirty five thousand um, for a household, and then for individual is eighty one thousand. So that's pretty high. Um, yeah, right. Send that to me, please. Um, and then one of the, a, a very wealthy neighborhood, Longwood or Burtville. 
the median real estate price is 563000 which is more expensive than 97.9% of the neighborhoods in Louisiana and 85.2% of the neighborhoods in the U.S. Wow. Yes. And I tried to look up the drink of Baton Rouge and literally it just was like the best bars in Baton Rouge. So literally whatever you want, you can find it (laughs) at the best bars in Baton Rouge. I know. I think New Orleans is known for a hurricane. The hurricane. I'm pretty sure that's like their drink is the hurricane, but I don't know Baton Rouge. And I didn't even realize Baton Rouge was so close to New Orleans either until I did this case. I was like, oh, look at I that. didn't either. Oh my gosh. So I just literally Googled the state drink of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Guess what it is? I, you, just guess. You'll never guess this. It's just guess. You'll never get it right. You'll never get it right. Get it wrong. I want to see you get it wrong. Can you give me a hint? Can you give me like what? main alcohol it is mm. Mm. <laughs> no Without, i can't because you're gonna give it away yes <laughs> or you just don't know ah oh, damn it okay uh <laughs> well, well let's see it's like french inspired but i don't know any french cocktails so i'm gonna go with a gin and tonic <laughs> <laughs> you were gonna just like pee your pants so as as a tribute to the state's dairy industry the louisiana legislator decided that milk would be the state drink are you fucking kidding it's not wisconsin right i love that you couldn't give me the main ingredient because it's just one ingredient i was like i was like can i say i was like what could i say that would also be uh, something See, but no, I wasn't I even I wasn't even on that mindset because I was thinking alcoholic beverage so even if you had said something like I lactose know. or whatever I never would have gotten it. I know I was I I was gonna stop you but it it was it was too far gone at the time <laughs> we were we were too far we were deep. too far we were too deep so here we are <laughs> welcome to welcome to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> you are in too deep too and I'm sorry <laughs> Oh, I think the Jeff just arrived. I hear a Piper tail. Very, very excited. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, that was her that was her tail. <laughs> She's gonna break in, her tail. In the living room. She will. She will break that tail. She's a very silly girl. Well, so for my case, I so I chose Baton Rouge because I was like, where have we not gone? Because I feel like we've repeated so many states. We just we need a new state. And so uh, Louisiana happens to be that new state. Woohoo! So excited. For my sources, I watched Million Dollar Murder <gasps> from Nightmare Next Door because I love watching a good documentary. If I can get in a documentary to instead of reading all of that, <laughs> girl, you I really need to get on your level. You do such a good job watching documentaries and i don't i need Work to get smarter get not harder because we do I mean, full-time girl, jobs <laughs> yes you are accurately correct that doesn't make sense <laughs> um so that was where i got most of my information i also got information from a couple articles off of wafb9 which is the local news station and also his obituary on legacy.com which I've never done that before, but it's interesting. So in 2004, Alan Waters was a real estate mogul living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana with his 10-year-old son and 12-year-old daughter. He had recently divorced his wife, Jan, in an amicable split. They had been together for 17 years. He had temporary temporary custody of his children because his ex wife well, not just because, but also his ex-wife was living in Vegas, Nevada. So like not a lot of uh, shared custody in that situation. <laughs> nope. Um, Alan was originally from Wakefield, Massachusetts. What? Yes. So when I was watching the show, they were like, this boy with New England ties. And I was like, oh, interesting. And so I this I got his obituary because I like looked up his name and because he's from so close to here his obituary came up and I was like oh my god he's from Wakefield that's wild that's wild 
what are Correct. the chances? Uh, very rare, considering this happened in Baton Rouge, and I was not expecting that. So he was from Wakefield. Um, he w- had been a chemical engineer before switching into real estate. Uh, he had a Tudor-style mansion built for himself and his family on Woodlake Drive in White Oak Landing, which is a very prestigious part of Baton Rouge. Hmm. Ooh, la la. Yes. Uh, friends describe him as a quieter man, not wanting the center of attention. But reading the comments left on his obituary, because yes, I read them, mm-hmm. it was clear that he was very well loved by friends and family. Some of them in the comments referred to him as Big Al. Aww. That's so cute. I loved that. That's so but sweet. he was literally so... He was waked out of a funeral home in Methuen that I have been to because I grew up in that area and That's... I have known people's grandparents to be waked out of there as well. That is bizarre. Legit wild. Absolutely wild. That is, wow, that is wild. That's, it's such a small world. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So in late May, his ex-wife Jan had come back to Baton Rouge to pick up the kids for a little mini vacation. She had stayed in the house with Alan and the kids for the week before taking them to Vegas with her, which was normal that she would, if she was going to come and stay in Baton Rouge, she would just stay at the house. Um, After a week of staying there, she left with the kids on May 21st, 2004 to head to Vegas. On May 22nd, the cops received a call about a suspicious death in Alan's home. Werner Avery, a friend and kind of business partner, kind of just like colleague in the same Mm -hmm. field, Mm -hmm. found Alan dead in his bedroom. So this was highly unusual for police because there really wasn't much crime in the area. I mean, it's kind of like the perfect quote unquote fancy town crimes, like the stereotypical what we think of when they interview the cop. And he's like, usually it's just like a tripped burglar alarm and an overturned trash can (laughs) because wealth. Because wealth. Because wealth. (laughs) So Alan was found sitting on the floor naked, except for a towel draped over him which they had no idea why he was naked. Um, And he appeared to be looking at the TV. He was killed by a single gunshot wound from a 38 caliber gun that had gone into his torso, hit his heart and his lungs, pretty much killing him instantly. Mm. Um, But even though he was shot, there was very minimal blood surrounding his body. There was just like drops of blood. Okay. The autopsy placed his death between midnight and 2 a.m. that morning. So like... May 22nd, he was found hours and hours later. They think like at the very start of that day, midnight, he was probably killed. Midnight between two, midnight and 2 a.m. I'm okay. not even drinking this episode. I have water <laughs> and I feel like I'm doing worse. <laughs> I think, it, you know, it loosens you up. It loosens the tongue because right now our, we have stiff tongues from not drinking. <laughs> See, I don't know what it is, but I've had this conversation with my sister. We slur all the time and not on purpose. And I don't know if it's just because I'm speaking too quickly. And so my words are like, mm. but yes. like the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> so I feel no, like no, sometimes. I think, <laughs> no, but literally, like, I feel like sometimes my brain is going faster than my mouth can move. And so I'm just like trying to get all of the thoughts out of my mouth, but they're just like, you know, they're like getting stuck in there. And so then I'm just like, bleh, bleh, bleh. so yes, I <laughs> you get know, it. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so there is no, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I have just taught all day and we did notes all day today. All right. Boom. There was no forced entry into the house and police found a camera case and a camera outside of his house. So they were kind of excited about this because they thought maybe they had a path. But but then funny enough, like this never gets covered again in the whole case. Oh, OK, good. <laughs> they were like, we found this camera and then never comes up again. Like they're like, just kidding. Doesn't matter. Probably could have cut that out. I could have cut that out, but I'm leaving it in. But it's here. So the police were unable to find any fingerprints, the murder weapon, hard evidence. There was just nothing. They did find that a few rooms had appeared to be ransacked. Uh, 
the master right. closet, the bathroom, and the office were all pulled apart, which suggested two things. Either he had walked in on a burglary and had been killed because he walked in on that burglary, mm-hmm. or someone was targeting something specific and had killed him and then was going after something specific that could have been in those rooms. Interesting. Because you said before, um, I think this is what you said before, is that he was looking at the TV. That also never comes up again. So just (laughs) FYI, like that's another like thing that I was like, I mean, maybe it's important and I wrote it down and then I guess it never comes up again. So interesting. Okay. So he was probably facing the tv so okay this was why i ask because i because if he was watching tv then it would have been an unexpected kill Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but based on like what you just said um like he would have been like surprised but if he was watching tv he wouldn't have known but so he was just facing the tv just clarifying i mean i still think he was surprised sure okay but also like they were like he was looking at the tv but the tv wasn't on so maybe the killer would have had to take the time to like turn the tv off they're like i'm turning this off i don't like this show i can't kill you in front of fox news's tucker carlson (laughs) (laughs) oh for shame (laughs) oh god okay um so there was no forced entry we talked about that some stuff ransacked great okay so immediately police had two persons of interest and they are two very obvious persons of interest Warner Avery, who found him, and his ex-wife, Jan. Okay. Obviously. Obviously. So, Warner was not only a friend, but he was also a business associate who worked in real estate. He told police that he and Alan had dinner plans that night. Alan did not show up, which was highly unlike him. This makes me sad because I feel like I would be dead for so many days before people were like, okay, Megan doesn't flake out on seven things in a row. It's usually stops at six. So like we should check on her three weeks later. (laughs) Is Megan 45 minutes late? That is very much like her. We should just pack up and get our drinks to go. (laughs) It, it might take a little bit longer than normal to find out if you're dead. This is, this is facts. Okay. So he was always punctual on time. He didn't show up. It raised huge alarm bells. Warner went to check on Alan at his house. He found his car in the driveway. He saw the newspaper was still on the front steps um, and the door was unlocked, which also odd. Um, Although he called 911 hours after the murder. I mean, this was the guy was killed at around midnight to 2 a.m., Yep. I'm assuming dinner plans aren't before like 4:30 at the very earliest. <laughs> yeah, so he wasn't going to So this was like, many yeah. hours later yes. that he showed up. Um police were a little suspicious because well like obviously a lot of times people call 911 to like kind of yes. try and cover up their own crime. Yes. Um also, he was one of the few people that had a key to Alan's house. Mm, okay. So that yes. would explain the no forced entry. Yep. Police were also suspicious that he may have been jealous of Alan's success in real estate because I think this guy was also very successful, but maybe not as successful. Okay. Um, they also thought maybe he stood something to gain in the event of his death. Like mm. maybe he would inherit something. Sure. However, this theory did not pan out because he didn't stand to inherit anything and his wife was with him the entire night. So Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So definitely not this guy. So then police go to jail. Well, I'm sure they're talking simultaneously. I'm but sure. Not just like, let's talk to this guy first, then this woman second in that consecutive <laughs> order. So when police call Jan to tell her the news, she's shocked and flies back from Vegas to help with the investigation. Police ask her to go through the house and help them identify anything that was missing. And they also interview her. Of course, she is suspected because she's the ex-wife and like tippity top of the list there. Mm -hmm, Um, She told police about staying in the house the week before the week of the murder, like up to that friday when he was killed um and leaving hours before he was killed jan and the kids had checked into a hotel in new orleans to be closer to the airport for their morning flight so 
She left sometime Friday afternoon slash evening with the kids. They checked into the hotel and then he would have been killed like four or five hours later. Okay. Um, before she left, she and Alan had a disagreement about how much money he was going to give her for the kids, which she said was a common disagreement between the two. Makes sense. I mean, they're sure. getting divorced. Like you're obviously yeah. not going to agree on everything. That's for sure. No, absolutely. Um, but she was forthcoming about it. She said it wasn't a big deal of an argument. Mm-hmm. Um, she seemed genuinely shocked and distraught, but girl raised some red flags. Mm. She kept asking detectives if they had found $20,000 at his house. She told police he kept that much in cash hidden in shoe boxes just in case the real estate market crashed. Interesting. Well, also, in fairness, this man was only four years off. I mean, 2008, it did crash and it crashed hard. It did crash. $20,000 isn't going to get you very far, though. Well, I think he had it because so basically it was like a lot of his assets were in real estate. Sure. And so with that crash, he was afraid he was going to lose a lot. And so sure, 20,000 isn't going to like save you, but it's a decent fund mm-hmm. to have as a rainy point, day fund. Point. That's a good point. You make a very good point. Yes. It's not like he would lose everything overnight. Like he'd have 20,000 as a savings. For sure. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. But yeah. interesting that he would just keep it in his house. I mean, I guess I can understand why, but also like, whoa. Yeah. Hidden in shoeboxes. It sounds like my grandfather who was like wanted to hide all of his money under the mattress and my mom was like sir you don't have enough money for the bank to want to steal it from you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'd be more afraid that someone would ransack my house and find it well 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 fair fair that's a a fair fair assumption well (laughs) um so she told them that so this intrigued police because they didn't find the cash and only a few places in the house were ransacked so they were like okay maybe the killer was looking for that 20k and found it jan was also the beneficiary of some of his life insurance policies because they had just recently been divorced and she would inherit his estate since the kids were still minors so it's it's a decent motive yeah right it's also like a very like, yes, it's a decent motive, but it's also like a very like obvious. It, it's yeah, it's not like a it's it's not like something where she like took out a huge life insurance policy on him. Like this is just kind of like what was set up because of the circumstances and not mm-hmm. necessarily like anyway, just pointing. No, correct. She's not like one of those people that like files the claim before news has broken that he's dead. I had no idea. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so when police went to check out her alibi, regardless of their suspicions, it checked out. She was at the hotel in New Orleans. Um, that would put her an hour away from the murder. She was with the kids. So they were like, okay, well, also if her money was, if, if her money, if her motive was money, why would she make it so damn obvious? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, why would she, like, if she was the one who had killed him and taken the money, why would you be like, hey, did you find that 20000 Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it kind of makes it very obvious. So now, okay, here's where this got problematic. This this next two paragraphs are very problematic. I'm just going to okay. say that. Okay. So with no strong suspects, police began to look elsewhere. They okay. looked into the possibility that this may have been a robbery because- like it's very obvious that he's wealthy looking at his house yeah um there had been a robbery a year prior a mile from his house it was solved quickly but they were like maybe there's a copycat sure and then this is where it gets really problematic oh no oh no i feel i feel uh i feel a racial bias oh oh you felt it through the screen i did i felt it strongly so basically there's an apartment complex not too far away that is low income including section 8 housing which if you Uh, don't know section 8 housing it's low income housing for people who i believe are a certain mark either at just above or below the poverty line Mm -hmm. so that you know they're not fucking homeless on the street because we don't pay anything for minimum wage okay 
Yeah, exactly. So, and of course, yes, of course, because automatically somebody who is on Section 8, that automatically makes them a bad person, according to horrible people. Correct. Anyway, so, continue. Basically, they're like saying stuff along the lines of, they literally said this, they were like, not too far away was a very different tax bracket. Mm. Okay, mm. number one. Uh, mm. A lot of people are not in this man's tax bracket because yeah, he totally. makes, he built himself a fucking Tudor mansion. Okay. Yeah. Blow your roll. So they canvassed the apartment complex area, hoping they would hear about someone bragging about the robbery and left their business card with the property manager. Come on. Oh no. Oh, it keeps going. Don't worry. It's not done. It's not done. <sighs> This was an area that was higher in crime. Like they did acknowledge, okay, if it was a robbery, it's an area that's higher in crime. Uh, Like this, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, whatever. Then the detective said, when something like this happens, this is one of the places that you look. At the same time, they show an image of a black man being arrested and being like, um, I want to say felt up. It's not felt up. What is it? Search. Search. <laughs> Search. Being felt up. <laughs> Searched on a cop card. I was like, <gasps> dude. What? What? So terrible. So you just literally, like, not you, obviously, this this person who chose this photo, who showed this thing, you just implicated a black man in this crime. Like, so now everyone's looking for a black man. Well, I mean, it wasn't the detective that showed that photo. It was like a reenactment scene from ID. Of course. But like, no, I know. know. That's problematic. Problematic. I know. I just was like, oh, why? So obviously. White people are bad too, you know. (laughs) In fact, not just poor white people either. In fact, a lot of white people are bad. In fact, we will find out why in a couple of minutes. So shocking. Nothing pans out from this apartment complex uh, because nobody did anything in this particular case in this apartment complex. So then the narrator fucking says, (laughs) nothing was panning out in the Section 8 neighborhood, so they had to do something else. And I was like, oh my fuck, we can't. Guys! surprise which is i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i watch a lot of id and i don't think i've ever seen anything like that it's a little um like like blase to just be like like oh yeah like it's the section eight people and they're bad and so we're trying to catch somebody in a you know who's just happens to be like talking with a friend like they're yeah, no, I know it, it, it's it's problematic. Oh ID. My fucking God. So detectives then start looking further into Jan. They find out that she has had a boyfriend for eight months, Colton Jennings. They're living together in Vegas. Okay. She has a type because he's also in real estate. Well, they if, you, just, if, you, if you got it, you got it. If you like, if you like them, you like them. I so guess. they decide to interview him to see if he knows anything because he could also somewhat have a motive to sure. he's very cooperative lets the police in his house but they're like he seems to be off and maybe lying granted they said that about literally fucking everyone and yeah, they episode. were just suspicious of everyone it sounds like they were like he seems like he's lying i'm like okay does everyone seem like it be- whatever anyway we're moving on um so he's cooperative he allows police to search his home which is when they find these like crumpled up documents in a drawer that basically is like printouts of how to start a life in a foreign country with new identities. <laughs> not, well, that's people, not suspicious at all. People have no chill. Like you are in Las Vegas. You have so much time to put that shit through the shredder. And you crumple it up and you put it in your drawers? Like, what? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, interesting. They find a gun case with no gun. 
And it's a Suspicious. pistol. It's a pistol Highly case. Ah, well, this is looking very good. So now police are like, dude, did you kill Jan's ex-husband because you're jealous? Like she was staying at his house for the week, whatever. Colton says he doesn't know any, he doesn't know what gun belongs in the case. But um, because it was Jan's. Oh. And he throws her right onto the fucking bus <gasps> and says that she was the one doing the research on moving. Oh. His alibi checks out when his neighbors confirm that he was in Vegas during the murder and did not leave his home. Wow. So he was like, nope, not going down for this one. Yeah. Detectives are kind of like, we were wondering if he knew more, which I wouldn't be super surprised. So now we all see where this is going. Yes. And detectives decide they want to talk to Jan and Alan's son and daughter. And Jan refuses to do this. Good. Good. Well, on the one hand, it's like, okay, the kids are 10 and 12. Okay, I understand wanting sure. to protect them, all that stuff, right? For sure. So they get a warrant to talk to the kids. Oh, wow. Okay. And the detective said when he was interviewing the daughter who was older, she was 12, he literally asked her a question. She puts her head down, like kind of slumps her shoulders and sighs and just tells the whole story. So... She said that after the three of them checked into the hotel in New Orleans, they went out for dinner. They ended up getting quote unquote lost and driving around for a while. Jan told the kids they were lost in New Orleans. However, her daughter realized they were in Baton Rouge. Oh boy. When, when in Baton Rouge, Jan checked them into another hotel, hoping they wouldn't realize it was a different hotel. I I mean, they're 10 and 12. They're not, they're not they're 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 not stupid they're just kids mm. in fact 10 and 12 and they, year olds very observant and they live there too yes so it's not like they're in like a place they've never been to before <clears throat> so when confronted with this evidence jan insisted that she did not leave new orleans she just doubles down even though there's surveillance video showing her leaving the hotel in new orleans soon after checking in and not returning until 4 a.m so she does go back to the new orleans hotel at 4 a.m and also cell phone pings put her in Baton Rouge too. Girl, just just let it just let it be. Just speak speak the truth because it's over now. So detectives are like they were like we're kind of unsure of the motive. Sir, we can kind of piece together the motive. So yes. after splitting up, Jan and Alan had psych exams where a psychiatrist recommended that Alan have custody. This meant that oh. Jan would lose out on child support and money going along with not having full custody of her children. That's very unusual for them to suggest that the husband, the father gets the kids. Was the psychiatrist wrong? Apparently not. Yeah. Guy had a good eye. He could see yes. that one coming from a few miles away. He was like, maybe you should live with your dad. <sighs> yeah. So um, additionally, Jan had signed a prenup, which did not entitle her to any of Alan's money, or his house. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. She was also 13 years younger than him, too. He was 53 at oh, the wow. time he was killed, and she was 40. Which, I mean, doesn't... It doesn't matter, but... No. Also but interesting. interesting. It is yeah. interesting. I mean, it just adds a, another element to their relationship. Well, because I didn't realize about the prenup until I did some research into it, and I was like, okay, this man must have been, like, pretty well-established by the yes, time that to he have met her. Exactly. So it wasn't like he they got wealthy together. Like while they were together, it must have happened pre her. Correct. Like that. That's that is kind of what it it sounds like, especially since he's so much older than her. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So da, 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 she signed a prenup. She was, however, still a beneficiary on some life insurance policies, and she would inherit the estate since her kids were still minors. So she stood to make a pretty good chunk of change. Colton also told police. <laughs> Colton, man. just he's just dishing. <laughs> he's like, you want the tea? Sit down, sir. He's like, I'm ready to spill this tea for you. He told police that she had mentioned multiple times she wished Alan were dead. Yeah, Jan, you're not uh, you're not really keeping this this on the DL, girl. She thought he was a ride or die, and he was like, uh, no. He's like, no, no I'm out. 
eight eight months no ma'am no ma'am um so it wasn't until prosecutors threatened to have her children testify against her that she somewhat confessed and accepted a plea deal so her confession and plea deal came as a surprise to a lot of people now i'm kind of piecing some stuff together i think I don't think the prosecution like needed, needed a plea deal, but I think it really helped them because they had a lot of just circumstantial evidence. Hmm. Um, there wasn't a lot of, there was really like no hard evidence per se. Yeah, it, it was her. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah. Um, so according to Jan, she went back to Baton Rouge to see Alan because they had been trying to reconcile. She left her children at the second hotel and went to his house hoping to surprise him. Jan explained that Alan was naked because they had sex. The couple got into an argument over Jan's boyfriend and Alan lost his temper. She knew where the gun was in the bedroom and she used it to protect herself and then got rid of the gun in an unknown area. They never found the gun. Interesting. Detectives were like, "Mm, no, I don't think that's that's the story. Yeah. They think she probably killed him in cold blood over money in custody issues uh, and then ransacked the house trying to make it look like a robbery before she actually, in fact, found the 20K and took it. Yeah. I mean, that makes way more sense based on how they found the house and all of that. Also, if you're reconciling, why wouldn't you just bring the kids back to the house and have stayed there? Like... It's not like this is like a yeah. one bedroom place and you can't no. have like makeup sex. Like this is a fucking mansion. Yeah. The kids totally. probably have their own wing. You have privacy. Oh yeah. So absolutely. Just doesn't really like pan out. No. So Jan took the plea deal in October, 2010, six years after the murder. Wow. So this is where I couldn't find a lot of information. I don't know why she had been arrested in 2004 but I don't know why it wasn't until 2010. I don't know if they were like, she must've had great lawyers and they were back and forth and they kept getting her out of jail and maybe they kept postponing it. I don't know if they would like drop charges and bring them back up and drop them and bring them back up because it does sound like the prosecution did have a, an uphill battle, which is why that plea deal was it's, they kind of downplayed it, but it seems like it was pretty important that they get that plea deal. Interesting. Okay. Because on top of it, she took a plea deal for manslaughter. What? Yes. So she was convicted of manslaughter in October when she took that plea deal. And in December 2010, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Wow. That was a longer sentence than I was expecting. But even still, manslaughter is kind of wild. I know. That's... I'm confused how that ended up being the charge. So, I mean, I, I think it's it's based on the fact that they didn't have a ton of evidence. evidence. Also, I assume they were white. Oh, 150%. Of course, because it sounds about white to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, she also had money. And so I'm sure she had yeah. great lawyers as well. Of course. Um. So at the trial, her then 18-year-old daughter in 2010, so this woman is like probably our age at this point, if not like maybe a year-ish younger, two years younger. kids in general. No kidding. Because, I mean, her son must have been 16. (sighs) So at the trial, her 18-year-old daughter told the court, quote, I forgive her. Please show her mercy. She probably just wants it to be over. Like, this has been going on she for lost, so long. She lost both of her parents. And I give yeah. this girl, uh, not girl, woman, credit for forgiving her mom because that is totally not I, it's easy. A hard, no, I don't know how you do that. And so she's, she's a, I think she's probably a bigger woman than I am. Mm-hmm. And so that is the murder of Alan Waters. And I think an interesting thing looking at his obituary. So it wasn't a super long obituary. Um, but his ex-wife is listed as someone like he's survived by his children, his mother, sister, and former wife, Jan Waters. Wow. I can't believe they listed her in the obituary. Well, the obituary came out June 5th, 2004. 
which means she was not suspected or she was suspected and it like didn't have evidence or they they had crossed her off the suspect list i don't know but seems yeah. like it's time to republish yeah she listed in there which i was like Oof, okay. wow that's unfortunate mm-hmm. oh my yeah. god well thank you that was that was a really interesting case oh, well, that, was that was a good one i liked that one well i mean i didn't I like it because a... somebody dies of course but, you know it was, it was very it was it was very interesting and it was the um i think like you did a good job laying out the facts and the timeline and um all of those different pieces it it like it was very neat and organized and i enjoyed that wow that are those are not words that usually go next to my name <laughs> look at you <laughs> give yourself a little pat on the back all right what do you got for us well so I figured since we were going to this area that I would look up haunty haunts. Oh, yes. I'm sure it's so fucking haunted down there. Right? Of course. Exactly. So I got my haunty haunts from 225 Baton Rouge is my source. So we're going to cover a couple of these haunty places. So first we have Arsenal Park. There are plenty of stories inside the state capitol building, but the grounds are just as spooky. Arsenal Park is marked by the old Arsenal Powder Magazine, an 1838 military storage building surrounded by a brick wall. It changed hands from the Confederacy to Union forces and served as a museum in the early 2000s. The lush grounds around it are popular for engagement photos, but but have also provided plenty of supernatural encounters. Soldiers are said to walk among the oak trees. Adding to the layer of mysterious history, a Native American ceremonial mound next to it that is more than a thousand years old. Oh, shit. So it be the haunting. Whenever there's sold dead soldiers involved, I get all like, <sighs> I know, right? <laughs> then there is the Spanish moon. So it's been a thrift store, a homeless shelter, a tavern, a temporary morgue, and today, the most popular indie concert venue in town. So it's had a history. Um, but it's likely the morgue past has given the Spanish moon its pedigree for haunts. It always does. It, uh, remember when I lived in the old morgue in Ugh, college? Yes. Remember that? And our yes, room was literally next to where all the bodies would have been kept? Yes. Haunted yeah. as fuck. Ha- oh. Haunted as fuck. Oh my god, the things that you would tell me <laughs> couldn't sleep for days. I don't even know how you lived there, honestly. <laughs> actually the funniest i have to tell this quick little story please I'm go so for it. sorry to interject colleen's gonna kill me when i tell you this too <laughs> so it was haunted it was like this little suite that we had and do you remember how there was a vent above you probably don't but there was a vent above the couch that we would okay. sit on and the vent just because it's a big building and it's like central air controlled like we didn't have control over it yeah the vent would just kick on whenever what it was set to so I told Colleen the story about like one of the freaky things that had happened and I was getting ready and I come out into the living area and I see her frozen on the couch. I think I remember you telling me this story now that you said <laughs> she, this. Yes. I was like, are you okay? And she's like, I feel a cold spot. It just got really cold. I'm really freaked out. I'm like, you're, you're sitting below a vent. <laughs> it's not a ghost. It's a vent. <laughs> Uh, you know, she was can, horrified. Can you blame her? Was it a vent or was it a ghost? It was the legit vent blowing. Like I was like, okay, golly, this is the vent. Like no stress. Okay. Uh, it's two was... o'clock on a Tuesday. The ghosts have better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> they, they be sleeping. They're waiting for tonight to haunt us. <laughs> so, um, at the Spanish moon, which was formerly the morgue, Bartenders have told tales of hearing noises while they're close up, closing up for the night and witnessing cocktail glasses moving or beer taps turning on by themselves. Oh, that's me as a ghost, 100%. Right? Get, get yourself a drink. That's where I'm going to be at. Yeah, let's go to the bar. Though the venue certainly underwent renovations, they usually don't seem to stop the bumps in the night. So then we also have the Baton Rouge National Cemetery. The stately military cemetery uh, on Florida Boulevard was established in 1868 for Union soldiers. It also became a relocation spot for the graves of other soldiers buried throughout the region. 
So reburial never, never, no. never produces good. It always produces ghosts. Around 500 of the nearly 3,000 graves in the cemetery hold the remains of unidentified soldiers. Oh, that's terrible. Isn't that sad? So it only seems natural the cemetery is full of souls with unfinished business. Some of the alleged spirits seem to conduct their own civil war reenactments in the early morning fog. Ugh. Ugh. This is my soldier's thing. Ugh. Yes. Well, others are soldiers searching for lost friends or maybe even trying to find their original graves. Oh, my God. I know. So those are just a few of the haunty haunts in Baton Rouge. There were so many to choose from. Um, so if you ever go to Baton Rouge, definitely look up. They have like tours and all of that stuff. Uh, that's what I would like to, I would definitely like to go at some point when, you know, it's safe to do so. It's getting close, friend. <laughs> it's getting Get close. close. The light at the end of the tunnel. When's that second happy stab? My next ouchie fauci is uh, May. Ouchie fauci. <laughs> fauci ouchie. There, whoops, wrong way. I switched them around. Um, May 19th, I believe. That's coming. Okay. Last year, a couple weeks. A couple weeks. I'm ready. I'm Give it to me. Put it in my arm right now. Give me that microchip. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Chip me up. Chip me up. <laughs> Give me that microchip. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well... We hope that you enjoyed this episode and please, if you liked it, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, subscribe, leave us a little comment because comments do go a long way for sure. Even the, I mean, please don't leave us a hate comment, but even Mm -hmm. the hate comments that we get actually do boost us a little bit. So like, if you want to just like say, hi, how's it going? If you want to drop us a hint of what we should do next, please, by all means do so. We love to hear from you always love to hear from you and you can find us on our instagram too fancy town crimes and you can always send us a dm there or comment on a post if you're interested in us covering a crime or a place or whatever you wish and with that we will see you next time see you next time Thanks for listening to Fancy Town Crimes. Our cover art and editing is by me, Taylor Adams. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Fancy Town Crimes. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share with us, email us at fancytowncrimespodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to spread the news. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the shenanigans going. <laughs>